You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning, and this is your Armchair Quarterbacks Sports Flash. Here are your Lions from out in the desert this weekend, starting with college football on Saturday morning. Armchair Quarterbacks Dixie Football Nation gets you going 8 a.m. Eastern to 9 a.m. Eastern. We cover everything in the world of college football, getting you ready for game day. At noon, Michigan State is getting 24 at home at Ohio State. The over-under is 59.5. Nebraska, plus 2.5 at Purdue, while Penn State is giving up 11.5 to Rutgers. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, minus one at TCU, while Kansas is getting 27 at Texas Tech. Other noon games, Texas A&M, minus six and a half at Auburn. The Texas Longhorns, giving up seven on the road to Kansas State. And Memphis is plus one and a half at Tulane, while Arkansas is getting two and a half at Missouri. At 2.30, Notre Dame's final regular season game takes place. They're giving up 33.5 points to Syracuse. The over-under is 52. The 3.30 Eastern kickoffs look like this. Boston College plus 4 at Virginia. The Florida Gators are giving up 17.5 on the road in Knoxville to the Tennessee Volunteers. That over-under is 62.5. West Virginia plus 6.5 at Iowa State. Indiana is getting 14 at Wisconsin. That over-under sits at 45. Iowa, minus 13.5 at Illinois. Over-under is 51. While Tulsa is giving up 12 on the road to Navy. At 4 o'clock, Georgia Tech, plus 6.5 at NC State. Vanderbilt getting 36 points at the University of Georgia. Sarah Fuller is expected to play once again. We'll see if she can get it past the 35-yard line. Stanford, plus 11.5 at Washington. And at 5.30... The big game, BYU giving up 10 to Coastal Carolina. 7 o'clock Eastern, Colorado giving up 7.5 at Arizona, while Oregon is a 10-point favorite at the Cal Bears. Later on that evening at 7.30, Clemson minus 22 at Virginia Tech. That over-under sits at 67. South Carolina plus 11.5 at Kentucky. Baylor is getting 21.5 at Oklahoma. And what was once a storied SEC rivalry, Alabama is a 29.5 point favorite at LSU in Death Valley. Miami Hurricanes are 14.5 point favorites at Duke in Sunday's game in the Pac-12. Washington State plus 13 at USC in the National Football League. The 1 o'clock games look like this. Detroit Lions are getting three on the road at the Bears. The over-under is 44.5. Cincinnati Bengals are getting 11.5 at the Miami Dolphins. That over-under is 42.5. The Colts, minus 3.5 favorites at the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting 10 on the road in Minnesota. Las Vegas Raiders are giving up 9 on the road to the Jets in a West Coast-East Coast game. Saints, minus 3 at the Falcons while the Browns are getting 5.5 at the Tennessee Titans. That over-under is 53.5. The 4 o'clock games look like this. Rams, minus 3 at the Cardinals, 48.5 is the over. Eagles, getting 9 at the Packers, that number is 47. While the Patriots are a pick against the Chargers in Los Angeles. Sunday night, the Chiefs, minus 14 at home against the Broncos, 
51 is the over in the Monday night game, Buffalo, minus one and a half at the San Francisco 49ers. And that's your armchair quarterback's wake-up show, CBS Sports Flash. Stay tuned for more of the armchair quarterbacks on these CBS affiliates, our Facebook Live, and the armchair quarterbacks app. Tap that app today. Good morning. It's time to wake up, y'all. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central to 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Available on Google Android, Apple iPhone, Facebook Live, and Periscope Twitter. Tap that Armchair Quarterback's app. Take us anywhere you go. The Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for Southern Sports Talk. Good morning, Mr. Justin Waller. Good morning. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Tennessee will most likely get beat down by Florida this weekend. So I want to remind our co-host and resident Gator fan that UT is a basketball school and that your losing streak is at four. Hi, I'm Mac McGee, and I don't know much, but I know one thing. Man, your tune sure has changed from about two or three weeks ago when it was, it's going to be cold up here in Knoxville. We're going to take them out. And then uh, what What happened? Peyton Manning didn't come back to uh, play quarterback? Or wh- what the hell's going on here, man? Uh, they just keep revolving JG out there. So, I, I need uh, you to have a little more faith in the volunteers. You said you wanted to know how to get the Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Armchair. Community Access Channel. He's the armchair quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of snacks. The All-American Man. Hey, howdy, hi, top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Armchair Quarterback. Radio show. I'm Mac McGee sitting alongside Justin Waller and Tony Agalini. Tony, how the hell are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing fabulous. Justin, how the hell doing are good. you? Doing great. Ready to get this weekend on. What are you prepared to do? <laughs> you got to bring the Chicago way to Knoxville tomorrow, baby. Come on. I'm prepared to fire the entire offensive coaching staff. If I don't see some sort of evolution out of these quarterbacks, I mean, roll me, Mauer, Shroud, I would love to see Bailey, but for some reason we won't develop him to be have enough time out on the field against Florida's defense. So uh, we'll see. If, if this offensive line and this offense can't score points on Florida's defense, I don't think they can hang with that elite offense. Uh, it's just not going to happen um, unless there's some crazy fluke turnovers or so- something that, that – Helps Tennessee out with a short field and does it. But, uh, yeah, I'm prepared to fire the entire offensive coaching staff if they cannot score on Florida. Yeah, and, and honestly, Justin, I, I've never been a big Jim Chaney guy. I don't understand the the lure with him. I thought he was horrible at Georgia. There, there were times when Michelle and Chubb had to remind him that, that they were actually still on the team because he'd forget about them all the time. And um, for, for some reason, he keeps getting jobs. And, and as soon as – Tennessee hired him away from Georgia. I was like, well, at least he's still in the SEC East. We get to face him once a year. So um, I, I think that's a big problem there. Go young, innovative, 
you know, four wide, that's the way to go. And, and they keep, uh, you know, Cheney so damn hard-headed. And either that or he's, you know, still stuck in 1985. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, and I think that's the glaring uh, problem for Pruitt. Everyone keeps asking, uh, is he the guy or should he be ran off locally? And uh, I think you got to give him time. You just got to remember that he was a defensive up-and-coming coach. Uh, he, he's a young defensive guy. He relies on the Cheneys to pretty much – solidify and hold up their side of the ball and Cheney hadn't kept his end of the bargain so um I would not be surprised if uh, he had no old restaurant term 86 from the menu as soon as we uh get done with the season well are okay from a standpoint of trying to control the clock control the ball and keep it out of Trask's hand because I think that's Tennessee's only way of doing it on a Florida defense that is suspect that has given up yards both through the ground and on in and, and through the air uh, I get what you're coming from when you're saying you don't have a lot of faith in Garantano, but don't you think this turns in, especially with the cold weather, it's not as cold as you would like it to be, but don't you think this is going to turn into a ground and pound uh, show with the Tennessee running game and try to basically, I know it's a bad term to use, but don't let Garantano decide the game. Don't let him lose the football game. Justin, what say you? I mean, I feel like that's the strategy we've had in seven games so far, and we're two and five. Um, I, if you want to ground and pound and hand it off, I mean, is Harrison Bailey not competent enough to hand the football off? I mean, and dump down passes. I, I just, I would like to see. Let's move on. Tennessee is fans that, are trying is that, to see. Is in this that experiment. who you would prefer to see in? Is absolutely, Bailey? Okay. absolutely. Okay. He's your, he's your freshman. He's your up and coming guy. And you've got to find out what you have before you go all in trying to create arch. You're going to have a transfer portal. One of them going out of there. You're not going to land both. They're not going to stay on your roster. Find out if Bailey's your guy or if you need to go all in. I mean. Has the ship sailed on Mallory? Can't say that. There's going to be a recruiting violation coming up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who are you going after? Who are you going to maintain on this roster moving forward? Has the ship sailed on the other two main quarterbacks? Uh, was it Shrout and uh, Mauer? Mauer. I, I mean, I would say so based on the what you've seen from them the past two seasons. Every time JG's been out, no one's ever stepped in. This coaching staff has given them ample opportunity uh, last season and this season for one of them to step up and be the guy. Neither one of them has, has just taken the reins and uh, taken over. So he keeps coming back, reverting back, and I understand what Pruitt's doing. He's like, JG gives me the best opportunity to win. Well, he also gives you the best opportunity to lose. So... Let's see what the number four option is, and that would be the young freshman and Harrison Bailey. I get you I don't want to get him killed out there, but this is the perfect defense to put him out there with. Let him have a little bit of success. Florida hasn't game planned for a Bailey. Maybe you strike lightning in a bottle and, uh, oh, boy, Tony, I'll be calling you Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to your point, I think it would be the right time to, to get Bailey out there. It's a home game. Um, I've seen too many teams, you know, come to the swamp with a brand new quarterback. Tennessee did it with Peterman one year, which I didn't think was the right move. And even FSU back in the day did it with EJ Manuel. His first start was in the swamp and, and he never started to drive outside of his own five yard line uh, in the first half. But, um, you know, Tennessee's had a few weeks to, to maybe get Bailey ready with, with a couple cancellations. And, um, you know, to Max's point, that, that is the key to the game. If, if Tennessee can run the ball uh, with Gray and Chandler, um, and, and get it to, you know, third and three, third and four, where they can run or pass. It's not a, you know, third and 10. 
Um, you know, they've got a chance to take possessions away from Florida, really milk the clock, which is kind of what Kentucky did. I think we only had the ball three or four times in the first half last week. And then Tennessee's got to keep Florida from uh, doubling up, scoring right before halftime and then right after, because that's kind of when we put about four or five games away this year was uh, getting the uh, two-for-one, like in the, the NBA, uh, the way basketball does it. If Tennessee wins the toss, are you kicking or are you receiving, Justin? Because I say you kick and hope for a, a, a rusty first possession, a, a turnover, something, so that you have the – because I've started to see this, nor, you know, not just college, but the NFL where it seems to be invoked, you want the ball first. And I, I, I don't understand that because kind of to Tony's point is that if you can when, – when you get about midway through the second quarter, you can start playing games with the clock and say, okay – well, if I do this and do this, I can almost have a two-for-one possession and before my uh, opponent sees the ball again, right? Um, are you kicking or are you receiving, Justin? I would kick. Uh, the only way I would receive is kick if I had a, I didn't say what kind of kick. Um, but if, if I had a seasoned vet at quarterback that I knew could go down and strike early, yeah, I would like to, to put seven on the, on the board and, you know, have Florida – trailing um that way i don't feel like i'm chasing okay but that's not the the roster that tennessee is going to have out there on the field on saturday so absolutely if they get the option uh take the second half kickoff when florida has the ball tony um i mean everybody anybody who's watched any bit of college football knows that the guy to to uh, look for is uh, emory jones now it's a uh, it's it's kyle pitts kyle pitts is the guy I think he's the best player in college football on the offensive side of the ball this year, though he won't get the, the kind of votes he would need for Heisman because it's become a quarterback award. As much as Kyle Trask has deserved Heisman votes, I think Pitts is right there with him. I mean, the guy is just he's he, they have him listed at tight end. He's not a damn tight end. He's he, he's a he's a split end and when he gets to the NFL, I don't care how they try to put him down. He doesn't put his his hand in the dirt. He's not a tight end, but he is just causes so many issues because he's such a big guy. If you put a defensive back or a uh, a, a cornerback on him, he's usually three times his size. And if you put if you try to put a safety or a a linebacker on him, they're just not fast enough. I think he's right. going to be probably top ten pick in the NFL draft, if not higher than that. What say you when Florida has the ball? What what is the key? Well, I think the biggest thing is um, you know the offensive line. I think I think last week against you know Kentucky's got a pretty decent defensive line. They got a couple big hogs up there, a couple three hundred plus pound guys, and um, you know our right tackle didn't have the greatest game the other day, and I think he was a little bit beat up. But I, I think uh, we'll, we'll be back healthy. I think Reese is back this week at, at full strength, so. That all, but yeah, that's the key. You know, keep keep trash protected, give them a little bit of time, and um, uh, you're right on Pitts. I mean, Pitts uh, Pitts last year really towards the end of the year really started to come along. Um, we, we've got a really good tight end coach and Tim Brewster, who's probably also one of our best recruiters. He was on FSU staff a, a few years ago. Um, but uh, you know, there's there are guys behind Pitts. I mean, we'll, we'll lose Pitts after this year, and, and no one matches up like he does. But we'll have a couple Zipper and. Uh, um, I forget the other kid's name at tight end, but um, yeah, no, Pitts is, Pitts is the key because he makes, you know, Kentucky tried, tried to kind of double Grimes and let Pitts go one-on-one -on -one last week, which I think was a mistake, and um, Pitts had a huge game uh, last week. Uh, I think um, 
you know, really the receivers have done well the last few weeks catching catching balls. There's usually one or two drops a game, but they're not like third down and eight, you know, killer drops. It's like a first or second down thing. So, uh, and Florida, the other thing too, I, I'm still waiting on Damian Pierce to kind of have that breakout, you know, 100 yard game. Um, all the all the running backs had big receiving games against Georgia. Um, so maybe look for a little bit of that, but I, I would still like to see, you know, Pierce have one of those third quarter drives that really puts a team away where he gets like, you know, 60 out of the 75 yards and, and we score and that's the game. That was the other question I was going to have is, do you think that they might actually almost force the running game t this year, this week, because they're getting to the end. They've got this game, they've got LSU and they're going to, they're going to have to have some semblance of a run game. If you're going to beat Alabama, you can't just sit back mm -hmm. there and have Trask sit back there in the pocket right. and just pick a team apart because they can put pressure on with just four guys. Do you see right. Florida in situations where you'd be wondering why they're not passing the ball? Can you see them forcing the run game just to try to get that going over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I agree. And actually, you know, to your, to your point, Kentucky was getting home with, with three guys last week on, on a few occasions. So um, yeah, our, our offensive line isn't, it's good. It's okay, but it's not near enough, you know, good to, uh, hold Alabama back for you know four quarters while Trask. It's gonna be to bubble throw, screen city. <laughs> yeah, it tries to throw like sixty five passes or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I think um, it, the the fans all want Trask to win the Heisman, which you know be good for the program and all. I'd rather get to the SEC championship myself, but um, if Trask is to win the Heisman, that that'd be great too. Um, but I, I do think um, one of the biggest things for, for him, all the fans wanted him to throw for 700 yards last week. Well, you know, Mullen did kind of focus on the running game in the second half and late in the game, and maybe it took some stats away from Trask, but if that helps us kind of get comfortable more uh, in the run game in the next few weeks, then, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. The, you know, the, the Heisman stuff will work itself out. We don't well, really Florida, have to Florida to not make the SEC title game would have yeah. to – you gotta lose both of these games, and Flor and Georgia would have to win out, right? That's the only way yeah. that. Okay, yeah, okay. So, Florida's not gonna lose both games. If Tennessee, right. by some miracle, pulls off the upset this weekend, that'll have Florida laser focused against LSU. I, I think LSU is just not in the same class as yeah, LSU right now is a hot mess, and then plus they've got almost every like elite player that they have is kind of said yeah, thanks but no thanks on. And then you also got the great well. news that they're playing Alabama this weekend, and, and notoriously, after you play mm -hmm. Alabama, you're usually so banged up, you play like crap the next week, right? So yeah. Exactly. So we'll, we'll actually get six weeks off after we get our, our brains kicked in by, by Alabama, so that'll <laughs> that'll be good. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I do think um, I, I do think Florida does need to get that running game going. You, you can't, can't beat elite teams, you know, going like, you know, 62 yards on 23 carries. Tony, we'll get your prediction tomorrow, but uh, Justin, real quick prediction on the uh, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida game. I mean, score is going to be about the same. Uh, just so I can save face, I'll go uh, 45-17 Gators. So you're saying take the minus 17 and a half and roll with it. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a Justin, I would take that. Let's take a quick 60-second break, and when we come back, there's a game on the docket tomorrow that we didn't know we were going to have. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. If the two of you got through 2020 together, you can get through anything. This holiday, make it official with a stunning engagement ring from Shane Company. Create your unique ring in three easy steps. Simply pick a setting, choose a natural diamond, ruby, or sapphire center stone, then add your own touch, like a decorative crown or a personal engraving. 
Here's another option. Select one of our perfectly preset engagement rings. Each of these rings is already set with the shape and size center stone that our designers envisioned, which means that your ring will be perfect. Because our quality standards are the highest in the industry, we're able to guarantee your ring for free for life. This year and every year after, we'll be here for you. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Open weekdays 10. We are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. Give me a bottle of your very best. And over in punt. Tony on the other side of the field. Great okie doke. And they score the touchdown! Gotcha! Darius Tony. Know where the ball's coming down. You're reacting to the body language of the Florida returners. And look at the white jerseys. Only a couple players realized the ball was going to the right side of the field. You just can't give that much space to a guy that's as dangerous as Darius Tony is in the open field. Welcome back to the Armchair Quarterbacks. Riding Shotgun here with you on uh, CBS Sports Radio. And uh, Tony, one question before we move on from the Florida game. Why the hell did they waste what I thought was an extremely clever special teams play against against Kentucky? Like, why did they waste that? I would have saved that for, like, the SEC championship game. Yeah, I, I think it was just they. Mullen said in his post game presser they noticed something with with their punter. Like he'll run one way, to obviously to give the coverage team some time, but then he'll he'll kick it the other way. So kick it across field, and um, they put Henderson and they put um, they put Tony back there, and uh, whoever wasn't going to get it was going to kind of be the decoy. Because if you're running down the field, like Doring said on the broadcast, you're not really you know looking back for the ball. You're right. just kind of chasing the person. But uh, yeah, it worked out. It was weird being there because I could. Um, we, we sit on the, we have like a side view, kind of very similar to the TV view. So we could kind of see where it was headed, but then I, but then all the Kentucky kids are going the other way. There's like two guys for Tony to juke and, and that was it. But I, I thought it was I one think of the they, most clever. I think they didn't say that just because Bama's got more of a conventional punter. I thought it was one, one of the most clever special teams plays cool. I've ever seen because we've all seen like the alligator bass across the field and we've seen those on kickoffs and punts and whatnot where you draw them in and, the, and you lateral it across the field. But this one, Justin, if you missed the play, literally you had two guys splitting the field and the ball was punted to the man on the right-hand side of the field and the man on the left-hand side of the field acted as though he was fielding the punt. And so it mm-hmm. drew everyone over there and the guy on the right-hand side of the field just kind of casually caught it. And when he caught it, there were so many guys behind him on the wrong side of the field. He only had to make a couple guys miss, and it, and it mm-hmm. was touchdown city. I, I, I would have saved that for for Alabama. I or or you know if you get past out if you don't need it against Alabama, I would have used it in a bigger moment than than Kentucky. But okay, fair enough. If, if that's why they did it. <laughs> How about your helmets, Tommy? You excited about them? I think they're pretty cool. Um, I, I'm glad I wouldn't wear them at home because I, I think uh, the, the one game this year with the blue helmets that was fine. Um, I, I think uh, you know you, you get you get too much blue, you start looking like the Smurfs. But 
Um, I think uh, I, I like these blue helmets with the Gator script, the, the Gator script and the um, the old Charlie Pell logo with the uh, circle and the U and the F and the alligator in the state of Florida. Those are my, my two logos. So, um, but yeah, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm, I like it with the blue pants. I'm glad they're not wearing the orange pants, but uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be something neat to, to see on Saturday. Hopefully be, better win this one or we'll never see those helmets again. What if? <laughs> well, that's the best Eight weeks ago, I felt that way. I could, I could like, you know, articulate how we could make it happen. But uh, <laughs> aside from Bailey getting in there and gaining some confidence uh, against, you know, this defense giving him a little confidence, I just, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. The um, the alligator suits. The best part about that losing that game was that they're in a dumpster somewhere, and hopefully, we'll we'll never see them again. Those, oh, those are the worst. Uh, that's that's the helmet. If people are wanting to know what it looks like, uh, they're going to debut this. This is the first time they've used these, but they have used the blue helmet with the uh, block F, right? Right. That, okay. Um, I, I actually yeah. think it looks pretty sharp. I mean, for ugly ass orange and blue all over your uniforms, it looks pretty sharp. I like it better than the original, but uh, that's because I think orange helmets belong only in one place. So. <clears throat> There you go. I actually I like it, um, well, but I'm not. Well, where is that? Because Tennessee's helmets are white. It's the only one that should have orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they were saying um, before the uh, the Missouri game this year when we wore the blue helmets for homecoming. I think that was the first time we actually wore blue helmets since like '65, which is you know, spurrier times. So. I think they look better. I just I like I think the blue helmets look better than the orange helmets or the white ones that they've uh, worn in the past with the block F and the They've also got the one where like the state of Florida is involved somehow. I I think I think the the blue ones. This one, I think I think my my preferred one would be the block letter F. But I get why Gator fans would like this one because it's their traditional uh, 1952 cursive writing logo. <laughs> well, I guess they'll have to change that because in a few more years, kids won't be able to read the side of the helmet. That's right. It's got to be. They don't teach it anymore. Got to be an aerial font. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you kind of teased that BYU Coastal Carolina game um, this week. That's pretty pretty funny. It's almost like scheduling basketball. You just you know text your buddies and see if they can meet at the park and, and play in a couple of days. And uh, all lo and behold, we get uh, Coastal Carolina and uh, BYU. And somebody's got to win that game. So somebody's going to go home with uh, with the first loss of the season. Is this still the? Uh... I've got to look it up. The same head coach from Chris, uh, Coastal Carolina that had the "We Need More Dogs" speech uh, a few years back. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all remember that rant he I had with the players. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's him or not. Uh, to be honest, that'd be pretty cool if it if it was. I'm not sure if it is or not. But uh, um, and it's funny, uh, you know. I don't know how much how much prep you know some some of these teams have done, but um, you know, I was listening to somebody the other day, and they were saying a little bit about how. Um, maybe some of this game prep and, and coaching stuff during the week and scouting reports are uh, overrated sometimes because you've got, you know, they're, they're switching Miami schedule around and FSU schedule around and, and all these different teams. And they're just going to kind of, you know, line up and play and it's, it's 2020 and, you know, take all the games we can get. Uh, the BYU game, Coastal Carolina, 10-point favorite BYU. Uh, obviously, both teams only have a couple of days to prepare for this. That's that's the big game that I'm, re I'm really looking forward to. 5.30 Eastern, kind of a strange time they're going to put it on. It's going to be an ESPNU. Um, I'm going to be interesting to see how good Coastal Carolina is. 
because they've looked really good, but just like BYU, you you don't really have a good litmus test for them yet. So this is going to be an interesting game. Um, for, for both of the schools' sake, I, I hope it's a fairly competitive game so that one doesn't just get dismissed. Well, well, well they were overrated. and You know how the, the typical fan is going to say no matter who wins this game, that it's not it's not that big of a of a deal because the other team wasn't that good evidently that's that's going to be the narrative that everyone's going to put out there if coastal carolina beats byu they're going to say i told you byu is overrated byu beats coastal carolina they say i told you coastal carolina was overrated so byu still doesn't get the advantage of getting to play like a southern cal someone with a brand name but I, I do think it helps out quite a bit. I'm still hold, holding out hope that I threw this out here yesterday. I want to get y'all's take on this. If I'm Texas A&M, I go to Sankey in the SEC and say, look, can you please let us play an out-of-conference game? Because championship weekend when it's Florida versus Alabama, let's say if Alabama does what everyone thinks they're going to do and wins that game. Our best chance to get a second team in the SEC into the playoffs is for Texas A&M to play BYU. And if Texas A&M were to play BYU, I think that would stand out to a lot of people assuming BYU gets past this game. Even if BYU loses a close game, as long as they don't get blown out on Saturday, what are the chances that he that he would actually bend the rule for A&M to get a chance? Because if not, the SEC is only going to get one team in. Assuming that Alabama wins, obviously, if Florida wins, that's a moot point. A and M's not going to get in, but it's it's worth a shot, is what I'm putting getting at. Tony, what say you? Uh, I, I mean, for I like your suggestion. I just think there's probably zero chance that that Sankey will do it. And to be honest, I'm I'm fine with the SEC just getting one team in. If you know, if Florida beats Bama, then you know. Florida gets in as SEC champion. If when when Alabama wipes the floor with us, Alabama gets in, and, and I'm fine with no other SEC team uh, getting in at that point in time. But I, I like your, I do like your idea. Um, I think it's a good one. I just, uh, I think Sankey's gonna um, just stick to his guns and um, you know, kind of go from there. Is he is he just not open minded enough, bendable? Is he, is he just one of these hardline guys that just when, once he makes up his mind, it's over? I don't. I don't know if it's that. I think does it, does A and M have a game to make up on the the twelfth? I feel like they, or uh, I'm sorry, on the uh, are they missing an extra conference game like some of these other teams are? Or that, that's what I'm not sure about. But I just think if if you know if he was going to let them, then we'd have you know the the, the Clemson, South Carolinas, and the Florida, Florida States, and all that kind of stuff. I, I think um, there was there was a. I think that was a um, a sticking point months ago was between the ADs, the ADs that actually haven't had a conference uh, rival to play every year. And then the ADs that do not like Bama and Tennessee, where they go schedule somebody cool out of conference anyway. Um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of back and forth between the ADs and, and, and Sankey on that, but it ultimately came down to the SEC wanted to kind of stay in their bubble and, and, you know, keep their testing and their protocols the same without having to go out of conference. According so to I do think it's hard headed, but I do think maybe, you know, obviously next year things hopefully will be different. According to the schedule, I'm looking at uh, A&M plays no one on the 19th. Oh, okay. they, they yeah, play, I mean, I'd, I'd be all for it. It's almost like a, 
impromptu bowl game. Right. They play Auburn this weekend, and then they play Tennessee on the 12th, but they don't have any schedule on the 19th. Not, not to spoil anything for tomorrow, but watch watch for Auburn tomorrow. Bo Nix is at home, and uh, he, he's a different guy when he's uh, at Jordan-Hare. And it's a noon kickoff. I always say that your upsets in college football tend to happen more often on a noon kickoff than they do in the later games because – you know, your typical college kid, man, he's still freaking scratching the, the eye boogies out. And, you know, he's like, oh, man, I had to get up at 8 this morning when I'm used to getting up at 1, right? So uh, it's it's a different animal, especially when you're on the road uh, at a, on a noon kickoff. Um, Tony, I know you got to run. What's your walk-off for the day? I'm uh, just looking forward to another, another big day of football and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, – you know, a miracle will happen if Florida could pull out a win up at uh, Neyland Stadium in front of. I think Neyland's going to open up the gates this week. I think there's going to be a hundred thousand people there to, uh, Saturday. Nobody's going to tell anybody until game time, and uh, it's going to be a raucous place. This whole season has been a, a, a ploy <laughs> just to just for this game. Pruitt's getting. Been... We're all about to see his master plan. It's all going to make That's sense right. tomorrow. That's right. Cheney's been saying. Right, Jim but, Cheney. Uh, Right. You guys enjoy. Uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Maybe Justin, you can swing in for a little bit tomorrow. Yeah, I doubt that one. <laughs> All right, boys, take care. <laughs> Justin always has a oh. skull ripper from Friday night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Justin's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, he's gonna, I'll, he's, probably, he's I'll be, be making a this deal with the porcelain. Just... <laughs> he's making deals with the porcelain gods around eight, eight, 8 a.m. Eastern. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All call right, brother. dinosaurs. <laughs> We'll see you uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be back here in a flash on the uh, armchair quarterbacks when we come back. we got the NFL to talk about. Matt Carr's on the way. Top of the hour, we'll be talking more college football. And uh, we're going to get into something. I, I think he's got a very good point Matt wants to bring up in the NBA, and it's one of the reasons why they're going to lose even more fans going forward. We'll be back in a flash here on the armchair quarterbacks. They're bringing me back. <laughs> yeah, I'm the whiz again. <laughs> I'm the whiz! I'm the whiz! What about your fact-checking job? Oh, here's the fact. Uh, I'm the whiz! I'm the whiz and nobody beats me! Armchair Quarterbacks Wake Up Show, here every morning, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, to blow your mind. Amazon Prime members now get free grocery delivery with a minimal order. You'll get your groceries with two-hour delivery. So in that time, you can finally figure out where the biblioteca is, learn how to play the acoustic guitar, and I guess get a puka shell necklace. Do a makeup tutorial but realize halfway contouring is hard, and you're beautiful just as you are. Whatever it is you're doing with your time, your shopper will be carefully picking out your favorite organic meats, produce, dairy, and snacks while providing contactless delivery to your door. Free two-hour grocery delivery, now with Prime. Six rounds. TJ, host from the zone. Yes. Lock it up. Who? What? Uh, TJ, how's the villa? Uh, alright. TJ, T- TJ, who's your mama? You mean TJ Hushmanzada from the Bengals. Put him on the board. House Mazzoli. Got it. Championship. Make sure to join the Armchair Quarterbacks right here. We'll answer all your questions, pickups, trades, you name it. You want to win your league? Then listen to the Armchair Quarterbacks. And don't be scared to tap that app. Find the Armchair Quarterbacks app today. Fantasy football time. It's fantasy football time. 
The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face -face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. We are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. Oh, me. You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. Riding shotgun with you here on this Friday morning. Uh, big weekend in college football. You got the Tennessee Volunteers going up against the Florida Gators. You got Alabama versus LSU. We talked about BYU versus Coastal Carolina. A couple other big games. We'll get more into that tomorrow on Dixie Football Nation. But it's all it's also some pretty decent games in the in the National Football League. I wouldn't say that it's the plethora that you have in college football. I think that's one of the reasons why people talk about why they like college football so much is that on any given weekend you can have five to seven important games in college football where in the NFL you tend to have if you're lucky three or four this weekend there's a couple the first one i want to jump off on is the obvious one because of our interest in it the tennessee titans will host the cleveland browns a battle of two eight and three teams justin two teams that are probably headed towards the playoffs uh if they if they extend it to eight teams they're definitely heading to, towards the playoffs tennessee is obviously still fighting to try to to stay atop the afc south the the Browns, honest engine, don't have a shot in hell of winning their division, right? They're they're chasing the Steelers who are undefeated. They would have to absolutely implode to for the Browns to come back and win that division. But it is a, a big game for them because when you start talking about tiebreakers for seeding purposes or just getting into the playoffs, this is an AFC game, and it's a Tennessee team that the the Browns have struggled against. They gave up the big plays last year in Cleveland. That, that led to, it was kind of, I don't know about you, Justin, Justin, but even though they blew them out, I felt like it was a little misleading if you watched the entire game because it was nip and tuck until about late third quarter when there was a couple of big plays that just kind of put it out of reach. So it's not a game that Tennessee can sleep on. But what say you about the Titans versus Browns in a game that uh, the last time I saw this line, I think it was around a touchdown. Let me see where it is right now. Uh, well, it's a six or six and a half this morning. Um, I saw it earlier, but I can't remember so I've got if it six. had that half a point or not. 
Yeah, I've got six, so so who knows? It'll, it, it depends on what site you go on to. Um, it drives me nuts. I would like to use the MyBookie one, but the MyBookie one that sits in front of you on the desktop, they don't have the team totals. And I like to look at the team totals, so that's why I always go to the alternate one that's, that's, that's not a sponsor with the show. But I have to go to that one because I don't have the team totals in front of me. And to me, that's one of the more intriguing bets. We start talking about bets at the top of the hour. Um what say you on this game? The you know it's a six point favorite, fifty three over under. If you go by the experts, the score should be around thirty to twenty four ish. Is what it's looking like. Does that sound about right to you? And what are the keys for Tennessee to get that W? Um, that sounds about right on the score. Um, hopefully, it's with multiple rushing touchdowns by Derrick Henry. Um, you, you've got to keep the the beast rolling. Uh, feed him; it opens up everything else in your arsenal and your attack. And uh, without him, you're uh, three and out and then shortening drives. And uh, you don't need to leave this defense. You have to remember you have a defense that's a bend don't break defense. Uh, it's not going to go out there and and shut teams down um it, it'll have situations where where it'll do that and give you a short field but it's the offensive job to uh eat uh time off the clock and keep it rolling so they are the rest and the break for the defense and you need you need henry to keep that going um you, you also want to see uh brown and uh Davis get out there and, and be contributors. And I mean that in a different way, not that they haven't been, but you don't want it all in one play. I mean, the, the 70 yard AJ Brown touchdown last week to open it up. I mean, you, you would like to see a more consistent passing game uh, to where 10, 15 here, 20 there. Um, it, it doesn't have to be the, uh, what was it, Baltimore game where he, he catches the ball and jukes 11 guys and stiff arms and somehow finds his way to the end zone to send it to overtime. It, it doesn't have to be one of them plays. You would prefer it not so you can just stream on this game and uh, limit the possessions. On defense, uh, you got to watch the crossing routes and uh, you're going to have to keep tabs on Landry. Uh, Landry's the one that scares me. Um, Landry's that player that uh, never seems to play to his expectation when he's the number two on the field, but when he's the number one, he seems to step up into that next man up mentality and uh, just eat Tennessee secondary love. Uh, I'm trying to find you. Know, you don't have the over under for you on the uh, on the BYU game, do you? It got Brian's asking about that, and I'm trying to circle on one. I, on, I do. On, let well, me get to it. Okay, because one of the sites that I go on, they they pull they pull the freaking uh, the the betting odds off of it all the damn time. It'll drive you freaking nuts. And uh, I'm trying to find it right now, but it's a little hard to navigate sometimes on on the uh, on the MyBookie website. I think I can find it now that I found the the portal, but it's always difficult trying to find that that magical portal. Uh, here we go. Looks like sixty one and a half. Um, I get what Brian's coming from. He's saying short week, no time to study, but at the same token, and that's a high number for a BYU team that plays a very methodical type of offense. Coastal Carolina likes to open it up, but BYU likes to control the clock. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have team totals in front of me for that one. Cause it was pulled off the other site, but, um, What's your gut feeling on the 61 and a half there? 
Mike, you, the short week for BYU really scares me. Uh, when it was Liberty, Coastal Carolina, I'd say, yeah, that was two teams that really opened it up. I kind of like it. But uh, I, I, I'd i almost be – I think I would take the under, to be, be honest with you. BYU's got a pretty good defense, so, so they should stall out Coastal Carolina. And BYU does not open it up. Even teams that, that they you would think they would just maul – they tend to, to take a while to get going. So for it to be what what they're projecting, 61 and a half, I mean, you're talking about a game that would have to be 35-25-ish, a little higher than that. So it's like 37-27 to, uh, to beat that. That's that. It's going to be tough for Coastal Carolina to score that many points on BYU. That's, that's kind of where I'm at on that. I think BYU's defense and their running game will – if BYU can get a lead on Coastal Carolina, they're going to start draining that clock. Because to the point of it being short week, they probably don't have – they're probably going to do bare bones on defense, play very basic Tampa 2 type of stuff, keep it, everything in front of them, and then on offense just pound and ground. I, I'm excited for the game. For people who haven't watched BYU play and Coastal Carolina play, they're two very well-coached teams – two coaches that could probably name their job next year. But I, th- I think the BYU coach, I, th- I think he's happy where he's at now. Coastal Carolina coach, he he might be going on to the next gig. Uh, you know, Sunbelt money's not as good as SEC or ACC or Big 12 money or wherever the hell he's going or Michigan, you know, wherever he's going. And I looked it up earlier. Uh, current coach is Jamie Chadwell. Uh and I didn't realize it was nine years ago when uh, David Bennett was the head coach of Coastal Carolina. I had the need more dogs speech. Um, nine years, man. I cannot believe it's been that long already. So it feels like it was just a couple. It's hard to believe it's been five years. This flag that I have hanging over my uh, right shoulder, uh, that's a Coastal Carolina flag that I went out and got on eBay because it was cheap. Because I, I, I said from day one, if Coastal Carolina still ranked in the top 20 we hit November, I'm going to have to do something for them this year. And, it, and I didn't have to spend much on it. I figured it was, but it was under 10 bucks, So I got it. But um, it's a it's a national championship flag when they won college baseball. I think a lot of people forget that. But, but they knocked out the Gators and won the uh, national championship. I believe it was in 2016. And that feels like that that hasn't been that long ago. But – Oh, they beat the Gators. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, I'm becoming a fan. <laughs> well, well, what's funny, you know, you know, I think probably the biggest Gator fan I've ever met in my life, Tony, immediately saw it when I hung it, and he thought I was specifically getting it to rub it in his face. I was like, to be honest with you, I'd kind of forgotten about – I hadn't even paid attention to the fact that it was a championship flag. I got it in the mail so at St. Coastal Carolina. I hung it up. Tony said something. When I turned around and looked, I go, son of a gun – that is their baseball championship. I was like, man, I actually kind of forgot that that was the team that knocked out Florida. I remember at the time it was like, who the hell is Coastal Carolina? And they had some some big-time prospects. I don't know whatever happened with their prospects or what their names, but at the time they had like a couple of pitchers that went in the first two or three rounds of the MLB draft. But um, they'll uh, – <laughs> Brian chimed in, BYU needs style points. They'll run it up. It's one thing to want to run it up. It's another thing to be able to run it up. Telling you all, Coastal Carolina is a good football team. They really are. They would beat a lot of Power 5 teams. And if they lose to BYU, it's no shame in their game because BYU, I think, is a top-10 team in the country. Uh, Coastal Carolina, I think they might be a little underrated. I know they're ranked 18th, and that's pretty good. 
but they might be top 15. I th- top 10 might be a stretch. I think they'd have to beat BYU to convince me of that, but I've watched a couple of Coastal Carolina games this year. One one game when they're play, they're supposed to play Georgia State, and Georgia State was supposed to give it was a pick 'em, and the the over under was like sixty one. So I put some skin in the game, and I picked Coastal Carolina on the pick 'em. They won fifty one to nothing. Georgia State Tennessee fans know Georgia State's a decent football program, right? This isn't just like. You know, you get, strongest in the nation, strongest. One of the strongest I've ever seen. I mean, I mean 2019, man, they were like national championship contenders. There's a reason Alabama doesn't schedule them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they run and hide and play the Georgia Bulldogs. They don't know nothing about them Georgia State Panthers when they come knocking on the door. Uh, you notice Florida didn't choose them as a rival. <laughs> I'll tell you what, they built that pretty quickly because I remember when they announced that they were going to start playing football, it was about a decade or so ago, and Bill Curry was on uh, radio. I was working in a restaurant in Tennessee, and I was listening to my ear. I'll never forget get it because I was listening to that thing intently. I was like, Bill Curry's coming back to coaching. He's cook, coaching at a school that's coming from scratch. Georgia State, how the hell is that going to work out? And then was it five, six, seven years later that they end up beating, beating Tennessee, which was a huge win for them. And I was like, oh, okay, so, so that's how it worked out. <laughs> I guess I was wrong as hell because I was like, man, you're like 60. What are you doing coming back trying to, try, trying to? I, I would say revive, but, but he was giving birth to a football program. Uh, back to the NFL. By the way, Tennessee, Cleveland, what's your score? I'll go uh, 35-24 Titans. I think they pull it out late. I think it'll be a little lower scoring. I'd be I'd be a little gun shy to take the over. I'm going to take Tennessee to win. Uh, 24-16. Because you know there's always a weird score there where someone goes for two and they shouldn't go for two. I'm getting sick and tired of teams being down by two touchdowns, going for two points, and the idiot announcer tries to tell you how this is a smart move. You're down by 14, you go for two. It is not a smart move, but it has become in vogue. Because they say, well, it gives you a better chance of winning. Not if you don't get it. And two-point conversions are not guaranteed, especially in the National Football League. If if you don't get it, it makes it increasingly hard because then you got to go back down and score and get a two point conversion. This isn't Madden, where you say, "Well, no one can stop my Y stick play down there at the at the goal line, so I'm going to go ahead and play this." Right? <laughs> I I've gotten bored recently and went back to playing like an old Madden that uh, where uh, I want to say Pat Mahomes might be a rookie. Anyways. Uh, I traded Mariota's ass and uh, got got Mahomes on the Titans, and so it's him and Derrick Henry's a rookie. And uh, anyways, my favorite two point conversion play to run with that is you split five wide, and so they all go man, and then Mahomes just walks into the end zone. <laughs> but that's not a Madden game that you're playing. It's a it's a it's real life football, and to think that going for two every time, I mean, it just it just it absolutely dumbfounds me. End rant. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt might have to do that, but we'll see. I'd, uh, I'd say the other big game of note would be Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. That's the other big game in my book on on Sunday. The Rams are a three point favorite. The over under is forty eight, and 
I guess the team totals will have it at 24 and 23-ish. Um, does Arizona get off the mat or do the Rams get off the mat? Because they both had bad losses last week. I think the Rams get off the mat. Um, I, this is hard to say. It's taken uh, me three, four years to finally admit the Rams are a very good football team, and then they go out and lose to the 49ers last week. <laughs> well, we're not going to write the Raiders off either, are we? I mean, they lost to the Falcons. I mean, these things happen when you get – well, that one's even worse because it wasn't a divisional game. I and mean, these divisional games, I mean, it, it, 49ers see the Rams enough. They know their, their coaching tendencies, their styles. They, they know their habits. Uh they seem to I have, have to their say number. that that fact. I, I just have to think that that is just ultimately factors into that lo- ugly loss to the 49ers. <laughs> this is going to sound really stupid, but hell, it's me we're talking about, so that's not surprising. Um, I think Arizona is a better offense. I, I've got a better number one wide receiver. I think they have the better quarterback. But the defense for that, the Rams. I don't think they're the better offense right now. And you pair that with the defense of the Rams, I lean the Rams. That Rams defense is nasty. Um, whether you like the way that their secondary gets flags or don't get flags, they shut folks down. The reason why I like the Rams to win this game is two reasons. A, Aaron Donald can nullify any kind of elusiveness that Kyler Murray has. And they need to be careful because Aaron Donald sits on Kyler Murray, man. He could be out for the season. Like that – Kyler Murray's like, you know, it's it's like playing backyard football with your little nephew. It's okay to be, you know, rough a little bit, but you know, don't go full full board, you know, lay him into the fence kind of rough. Um Arizona is going to lean so heavily on the pass. I think the Rams are going to be able to tee off. And the Rams now mixing in the three running backs and now and now they've got three really good receivers. Because Van Jefferson is starting to make a name for himself as well. Not to mention the the depth they have at tight end. I just think there's a lot of factors that with that Arizona defense, it's going to make it very difficult for them to slow down the Rams. How the how the 49ers do it, it's I guess it's just it's a matchup thing. But I don't see the Arizona Cardinals keeping the Rams offense. They have it here at 24. I think the Rams might crack 30. And you crack 30. And you've got that Rams defense. I think it's going to be difficult for for Arizona. I know Arizona looks at themselves as, as a now new contender and whatnot, but I'm sorry, you cannot lose to the Patriots. And who 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 is the other team? That, oh, uh, the Dolphins with Tua. And there was another game that they lost, where every time after the game you hear Kyler Murray saying. Oh, we got to play better. Just didn't play my best. Da, 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 da. Man, at some point, you are you are what your record says you are, right? And they're a team that's up and down, up and down, and they have to have very good matchups, almost mismatches for Arizona to. I mean, let's be honest. DeAndre Hopkins has to show up in this game too, and he's going to be shattered by Ramsey, I would think. So that's not going to be an easy task. No, I mean, and he's gonna he's gonna get some points. I mean, I'm not saying if you're a D hop owner, you bench him. I mean, obviously that's not wise, but Ramsey will shut him down. I mean, he's going to eliminate some of the big plays and some of those key offensive uh, plays that keep drives going for the Cardinals. And I think that's why they it'll it'll kick it back over to that Rams defense. Um, 
<laughs> and the three-headed monster, I mean, you've got Henderson and you've got Brown, but now it looks like they're starting to lean on uh, Cam Akers. Uh, you, you know my heart is, you know, is with Cam Akers, but I think Daryl Henderson gives them the best chance at the goal line. So that's why I'm a little hesitant when people talk about him in fantasy with Akers. Akers is not a very big guy. And he used to find his way in the end zone at Florida State. But the, the big difference between finding your way in the end zone in college football and finding your way in the end zone in the National Football League, Henderson's got a little more – I think it's just a couple of years in the NFL weight room has made the difference with Henderson because I don't remember him being that big when he came out of Memphis. I feel like if he, if he was as big, he would have been – drafted higher but he i mean henderson's almost like you know peeing the cup strong now <laughs> was cook and acres on the same roster cooks last year acres uh first. cook cook was a uh yes cook was on his way out and acres was on his way in yes okay acres was a uh big time recruit out of mississippi and we were surprised to get him because at the time that was in Hugh Freeze's paying everybody and whatever the hell else he was doing. So when when he decided to come to Florida State, everyone was shocked. And Cook was a big time uh, recruit out of uh, South Florida, and everyone was shocked that he went to Florida State because it, it was a everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to be a hurricane. And um, I, th I think if it happened today, he probably would have been a hurricane. It was a business decision, as he said. You know, he knew that. Florida State had had some success at running back over the over the last several years because remember he he was following the footsteps of uh, Devonte Freeman right so it was kind of a lineage there and it's about where it stopped because we don't have we don't have anyone of of their ilk right now on, on our roster uh, let's go ahead and get into our uh, six pack because we're coming up on time we're gonna have to make this quick um, where are you going uh, today on your uh, six pack. Well, I'm going to stall for just a second as I get it pulled up here. I'm going to – first one I'm going to take is Arkansas plus three at Missouri. Okay. You want them all or are you going to – Yeah, go ahead and up? give them all to me. I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna take a couple and I'm going to take a couple on the other side of the break when I uh, meet up with Matt. Um, uh, give me Indiana plus 14 and a half at Wisconsin. I, I know that uh, – their quarterback is injured. I uh, still believe in that defense. And Wisconsin hadn't showed me that. Uh, By like the way, have you they heard scored anything? seven points against Northwestern. How are they going to score 15 against Indiana? Does the Indiana uh, quarterback have any shot of playing this weekend? I, I haven't seen anything on it. I have, I have not dove that deep, but I haven't heard anything scrolling through. Okay. Um, Player or not, I take that defense with a backup still at plus 14 and a half. And my last one, I'll go, uh, dang, I did it again. It's a Monday night game. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, what the hell? There's like nine Monday night games this week. Which, which one are you I'm like? taking the Bills plus one at home against the 49ers. They're on the road, by the way. Oh, that's in Arizona, correct? Right, right. It's it's a. I'll still take the Bills. Well, plus it doesn't matter even if they were playing in, in San Francisco. It's a neutral site because there's no fans allowed in the stands. I don't. I'm not sure about Arizona. I feel like there are fans allowed in those stands. Well, I felt a lot better about that when I thought San Francisco was traveling to play Monday night in Buffalo, but uh, the weather will be a little bit different in Arizona. But I still I like the Bills plus one. I'll, I'll take a couple uh, real quick. In the NFL, I'll go with the Chargers at home against the Patriots. They're a pick 'em. I just 
give me Herbert over and Cam Newton is essentially where I'm going with that. Um, and then uh, in college, man, they're just not getting the respect that they should have due. I'll take Rutgers again, uh, plus 11.5 against Penn State. You know, Rutgers pulled off the big upset last week, and uh, I hit that in the stupid underdog picks. Rutgers played Michigan to the wall. R- Rutgers is a good, solid football team this year. There's, they're, they're, their uh, record may not reflect it, but this is also the first year of uh, Greg Shiana. He's going to build something at Rutgers again. You can already see it. They already have like a tenacity. and uh, It doesn't look like the typical Rutgers team that I've seen over the last decade where they come out and they just say you can pretty much name your score against. So, and I'm not convinced that Penn State winning one close game against Michigan puts them back on the map. So give me Rutgers. I mean, somebody had to win that game. Yeah, exactly. What's your walk-off, sir? Best of luck, Tony. Uh, Go Vols, baby. I need basketball season here. It's hard to believe that my school has turned from a college program to a football or basketball program. Excuse me. I said that. Yeah, I I saw From a football to a basketball, and I'm like, well, we just got to join the times. What are they ranked? Because I saw last night during the Florida game that they're uh, preseason predicted to win the SEC. Do you know where Tennessee's ranked? I don't know their national ranking. Okay. Um, I'm I just getting at into it. it. I hadn't looked at it. I'll put it, put it up on the other side of break so some people know what it I is. I know their game against Notre Dame that was supposed to be today got postponed, and I believe Tuesday is their first matchup. Uh, and I was really looking forward to that Notre Dame uh, game. I mean, whether they're in Notre Dame's uh, up or down this season really didn't matter. Anytime you get to play Notre Dame, it's always fun to see your school against against the Irish. Yeah, and they, and they don't have it set up on uh, – here it is. I'll throw it at you real quick. Uh, the Tennessee Volunteers ranked 13th. Um, we play Florida on January 19th and I think February 10th. So, I already got those two circled. Florida State is 22nd. We're, we're always ranked low, if, if, if ranked at all. And then they'll go, man, this Leonard Hamilton's got a pretty good basketball program. We'll be – 22 and three <laughs> just kick hey, have you watched any college basketball this week just uh the florida state north florida game i watched and then i in passing i've watched other games but i haven't gotten locked into it watch the duke michigan state uh tried to get into it but and duke games are horrible without the cameron crazies uh he just couldn't pull it in the bubble the bubbleville just wasn't doing it for me uh, i gotta get over that but that's that's gonna be hard to swallow with college basketball is tough with no schedule i mean with no fans i agree i think yeah. basketball in general is the worst sport to watch with no fans there's something about a fans getting into it uh baseball you know they can zoom in fake crowd noise whatever football the same thing hockey same thing because you know these are all sports that we've watched where we've been focused on what's on the field but basketball has always been panned out a little bit and you see the fans jumping up and down especially college and i agree with you it's it's a mess and, and by it the just way, makes you feel like an exhibition or a practice and you're like man you know, I I, you, you know i tweeted this out the other day but you know i'm sick and tired of hearing people say that uh that, that there's something awful about them bringing in fake crowd noise for these sporting events no one bitched and moaned for years when friends and seinfeld had canned laughter on on their shows right so why are we bitching and moaning because there's fake crowd noise it's not like they're chanting is this or something what is this argument coming from inside the arena they don't want to hear the fake crowd noise or no i mean because can't you just stream it to the tv and leave it out of the stadium yeah they can't hear it no this argument's coming from 
idiot get off my lawn fans basically i'm like i'm like well what's your what, what would you rather have nothing like well no i mean game? the great thing about it is your tv has a mute button if you want to hear also, nothing, just hit mute. i'll say something too the games are boring when you don't have that the uh fake crowd noise there's just something about even if it's just like a static electricity kind of sound in the background it's better than not having it at all all right brother you we, we, we got to run man i'll see you uh monday see you We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in. Matt Carr's on the way. Hey, can I tell you one thing? That's three holding fellas on one football team and a quarter and a half. That ain't funny. Do you love to shop for guns? We're also looking for friendly service. Well, the search is over. Top Gun Supply here in St. Augustine is the friendly gun shop. The staff is very knowledgeable. Frank and Kirk can answer whatever questions you may have and assist you with your AR build. They have a great selection of ammo at great prices. They also carry a full line of targets, cleaning supplies, Lucas Oil products, and firearm magazines. Top Gun Supply is a Glock Blue Label dealer for military and first responders. So what are you waiting for? Stop on by Top Gun Supply of St. Augustine, 525 State Road 16, here in the Westgate Plaza. Top Gun Supply, the friendly gun shop. Rifle in a gun rack, hanging in the back blast, on my Coach, how do you feel about your past season? Well, it's been a, a very rewarding uh, season for us. Uh, it's one that I would not have been able to uh, lay lay my uh, job on the line saying we were going to win nine ballgames. I couldn't have done it before the year. Well, can you say what, how you brought a losing Florida State team around to be a winning one? No, I can't. Uh, we, number one, we've got some real fine assistant coaches. And even more important than that is the attitude of our players who uh, knew what they wanted to accomplish and had confidence that they could do it and were willing, were willing to work. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. For the longest time, I've wanted to come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. But up until now, I haven't been able to find anything that held up to my high standards. I finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. My new Giza Dream bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton, and I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. All you need to do is go to MyPillow.com, promo code armchair. That's MyPillow.com, use the promo code armchair. Or call 1-800-319-7392. The number is 1-800-319-7392. Remember, promo code armchair to get the best deal around. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. I've been driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. Hi, this is Justin Waller of the Armchair Quarterbacks, your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. And that's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Armchair. Community Access Channel. It's like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. Look. You can stay here in the big leagues and play by the rules, or you can go back to the farm club in Aurora. It's your choice. Yes. And it's the choice of a new generation. I'm in Welcome 
Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks, officially. Uh, Matt Carr, how the hell are you, sir? Doing good, man. Running late. My apologies, bro. Um, speaking of our intro we do every uh, week where we act like we're shoving people, did you see this viral video that hit – I guess there was a high school football playoff game last night where the, where the kid – the only way I can explain it – Adam Schefter reported as body slammed. Well, Adam Schefter is also a dork. Uh, I would I would say it was closer to like a body check in hockey. Did you see this? No, I did not. Okay, well, I think I shared it to the armchair uh, Facebook page, so whenever you get a chance, you know, take a look at it. But the kid was ejected. I don't know. I still don't know what the play was for, like why he was ejected. The only video that they've shown is what happens afterwards. So the umpire or referee is standing in the middle of the field, explaining what the penalty is going to be. And while he's explaining, he ejects the kid who I'm about to bring up. He goes, after the referee's done making his little speech, he goes to pick up the flag off the field and starts walking towards, because I guess it was about a 30-yard penalty because there was some kind of unsportsmanlike conduct on him, and then I think there was also an additional penalty. I don't know if it – this kid's a lineman, by the way. I don't know if it was a clipping. I don't know if it was a uh, – I think it's a defensive lineman. So I don't know if it was, uh, you know, chop block, any – crack back block, whatever the hell it was. But there, it looked like they were walking off about 30 yards. And this kid was ejected. He got so pissed off, he ran onto the field and body-checked the ref, shoving him. <laughs> of course, the ref did not see it coming. He was he, he, he was kind of bebopping. We got about midfield, and this kid hit, was on a run. And, everyone's, and his teammates are trying to chase him. Go, what the hell are you doing? Wham! Launches him. Which is pretty scary because you're talking about an older guy. Though he is a ref, he's probably used to getting slammed around, you know, you know, banged around by by kids. But when you're not bracing for it, we all know. Really? Yeah, I mean, when when you're not ready for something like that, it hurts a hell of a lot worse than if you see it coming. You kind of kind of brace again. So the kid obviously got kicked out of the game, and I guess the police showed up to escort him out of the stadium. But even after he did it, man, he was like raising hell like people were holding him back. And I was, and evidently the kid was a pretty high recruit. I don't know if he had already officially agreed to go somewhere because what they left out of there was, I don't know if he's a junior or a senior. Okay, regardless, whoever he that sounds, may, that sounds to me like he's on something. Whoever he, well, I just think he's like mentally, you know, obviously hothead, and. Uh, I mean, to your point, he could be on roids or something like that as well. But regardless, whoever he may have been or who, who may have been interested in him coming to to play for him, well, you know that deal's off the table. No one wants to bring right. in a kid. that I don't care how damn good the kid is. He's going to have to go sit, sit in the corner for a year or so at either a JUCO or maybe not even play sports at all. He might have to go to a JUCO and just do books because just because he transfers to a JUCO doesn't mean they have to let him play football. And he, he he might have to go sit in the corner for a couple of years and come back. But yeah, we're but this day and age, man, this day and age, the next time somebody does something, they'll forget about that. 
I still think he's going to take a, a rap on it. Uh, I don't think he's going to get a scholarship this year, and he may not get to play football next year. If, if he's in, if he's still in high school next year, then he then he won't play football, right? Because he'll, he'll have to. Right. But even if someone says we'll give you a second chance, I don't think it's going to be in twenty twenty one. I think it's going to be, hey, dude, why don't you go and freaking enroll somewhere, get get your grades going, prove your your what you're worth. And we'll revisit bringing you as a recruit in 2022. I mean, and that might be like a low D one, like you said, or a JUCO. Right. Um, you know, there's there, there's infamous JUCOs out in uh, Oklahoma that kids go to to. It's usually for bad grades, and they're trying to get re- reinstated. And there's been a <laughs> number of people that have came out of those JUCOs and come back to. And it's not just Oklahoma athletes they come from all over the country if you see a a kid who was a high sec prospect and they say he didn't make the grades or his act score sucked or whatever he's cam Cam newton yeah he's usually heading to central oklahoma there's like four or five schools there and they all play in the same little league and it's it's almost like semi-pro football but this kid won't get to play there either because they're going to say dude you can't you can't be doing that to a referee because the refs a referee they're going. They're uh, they're going to raise enough hell about. The, like, I don't want this kid playing. He he he, he can't just come back onto the field, right? And right. So, and so, anyways, uh, that story's up on the armchair. I, I woke up to that this morning on Twitter. I was like, what am I looking? Because Schefter comes on with he body slammed him, and I'm like, he like Hulk Hogan like pick him up and swung him around. Yeah, woo. <laughs> I was like, 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 like the Undertaker just yeah, take him up and yeah. I was, um, I was like, is this? And then, and then I saw, it, yeah, okay, that's not a body slam. Schefter couldn't. So, so what? What I imagine you're saying is he did kind of like the now the Roxbury kind of thing. Just, uh, <laughs> I mean, he kind of did what 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 we famously joke about in our in our uh, <laughs> in our preview where yeah. we're just kind of shoved each other in the bar, you know, <laughs> in a joking manner, except he was at full force and the guy wasn't expecting it at all. And he had not been drinking. And, so it did not help us fall. And first of all, that was not at a bar. That was at your house at three in the morning. You said, no, you're good. <laughs> Get out of here. No, I'm always refer. Okay. So that's what you're referring to. I'm always referring yeah. to, uh, when we would watch far cry up at, uh, David Crockett's roadhouse. Okay. Because you you told me this story so many times, I, I I believe it happened now that I came out of the bathroom drunk as, you know what, and uh, and and I came out and I was dancing and I, and, I, and I just started bumping people and and I guess you were the ones that I bumped as I was doing almost like a conga dance going down the line, <laughs> and you weren't the only one that told me that story, so I believe it was true. If you would have been the only one, I was like, I don't know, man. You know, let's let's rewind the tape. Let's find out what really happened. But a, I believe that did happen. But b, I'm talking about the night. They go, no, you're good. Go, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> and you said, you know what? Um, I am good. I am good. I'm I am good. Here. I'm gonna sleep in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. All true. Good times. Okay, so the NBA. I thought you brought up a yeah. good point, and I uh, want, want to hit that, with, hit the ground running on that, so to speak. Um, Mid market championships are those going to be a total thing of the past? I mean, what's going to happen with Milwaukee? Are are we just assuming that they're done too? I mean, you. 
I don't know if you, I'm sure you have, because I know you read a lot of articles, but like uh, the Greek freak was trying to get AD and LeBron to go to Milwaukee. It's not going to happen, man. Like, you're going to, you're going to, people are going to go there to die, I think. So you think it's a more of a chance that the Greek freak goes elsewhere? Yeah, 100%. He's, he's gone next year. And I still think Miami's a big possibility. Miami, I see. The one that I was reading uh, a couple weeks ago was LeBron. And I just, and the Lakers. And uh, when I first read that, the, my first thought process is, well, that begin, that will make the NBA absolutely unwatchable. Because 100%. if you don't even have, look, we all know that LeBron James is the, is the supervillain, right? He's, he's a jerk. Nobody likes him. He's overrated in his own mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's won championships, but he's also always had to go and find, he's always went and chased a championship somewhere. He's always had to go find his, his Batman or Robin, right? He's never built it organically wherever he's been, the, except the one in Cleveland was organic ish. And I'll give him that one. Okay. But right. other than that, and, and honestly, that was the only time LeBron James was, was likable. I actually pulled for him when he was in Cleveland. When he, when he came back, yeah, and me as well. Um, when he didn't if, take the easy if, way if, out, you know, he's 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 fun to watch. If LeBron won from Cleveland, Cleveland would have never won an NBA championship. Right? If LeBron what? If he wasn't from Cleveland, they would have never won a championship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he no, would. That, that's the last mid-market. Like, the last real mid-market was San Antonio, and that run they had. But I'm saying nowadays, you're going where the, the market is. The people are going where the money is. Yeah, I don't see uh, I don't see LeBron James picking Cleveland out of the goodness of his heart, right? He, 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 he right. did that because he, because he was from there. So, yeah. Um, but I don't know if you'll ever see that again. To be perfectly honest with you, because was Golden State a small market team before the Dub City? Golden State was looked upon as I don't know if if you could ever call them small market because they were San Francisco, but right. to me, Golden State was always the little engine that could. You know, they had some good teams when I was growing up in the late eighties and in, into the mid to late nineties. Uh, they had some talent. They never had back then you had to have a big man and they could never get a big man. Right. Right. But back then you had to build the team organically. Usually you never had teams go run and play with each or players go run and play with each other. It never happened. What golden state did at the beginning was impressive. What they did through their draft. Then right, they add, then they then, then they added Kevin Durant. And the reason why I think they should have never done that is because it's always going to muddle their their legacy because your average fan is always going to think, well, they bought a championship with Kevin Durant, right? And they're not going to really think about that this was already a championship team that they brought in what could have been argued at the time the best player in the NBA, right? Right. So I think they made a big, big mistake by doing that. But with all that being said, they're not a small market team because they're sitting in San Francisco. And so they they were able to add pieces easily. Could could Golden State – I mean, Golden State did win a championship, what, in the 70s? 
Um, but back then, once again, you were building organically. So going forward, can they be a considered a big market team that could bring in? I mean, I th I think the star power can, can can bring them in because we know that Steph Curry is happy at Golden State, right? Along with J right. Draymond Green, and if Clay Thompson can ever get back on the court, so that star power, I think you you, you can attract another player. I don't know if San Francisco is considered a large market, but they're definitely not small market. There's a lot of money in San Francisco. Hell, the Giants, people don't realize this. The San Francisco baseball Giants, when they're in their prime and they're not in, like in a rebuild like they are right now, they're usually one of the higher uh, payrolls in all of baseball because there's there's money in San Francisco. There's a right. lot of money there. No matter what no matter what Nancy Pelosi tells you, there's a lot of money in San Francisco. It's it's usually the most expensive place in uh, America to to live every year. But I, but I actually had a question about the mid market. Then after I did some research, I was like, you know, the biggest market is New York, and they're they haven't won anything in years. That's but that's that's because of the the perception of the ownership, and but at the same token, a couple of zip codes right down the road, the Brooklyn Nets have brought in, which you could consider the beginning of a super right. team. That's not really have anything to do with the fact that they're in New York City. It's the fact that they have just made bad choice after bad choice. And one of the first ones, let's not forget it, people always want to don him as the greatest ever. Phil Jackson did a terrible job in, in, in New York City. Terrible. He was awful. He is exactly what I he he was what we thought he was. Phil Jackson was gifted Michael Jordan after Doug Collins built that team. And then he left. And he came out of the retirement. I don't even remember if he took a full year off. But anyways, when he came back, he, oh, by the way, had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. That's not built. <laughs> on, the, on the team that Dale Hughes built. <laughs> right. What he has done with those 11 championships is less impressive to me than, than the first championship that Steve Kerr has built he, he he's not the general manager but steve kerr cultivated the the warriors into that first championship right i mean that that was a mark jackson team so i still think mark jackson should deserve a chance exactly. somewhere i i agree with that i i totally agree with that. i thought mark jackson got screwed they didn't like yeah. Mark Jackson. A lot of people don't know this, but the reason why Mark Jackson got ran out of town on a shutter was because Mark Jackson was too conservative for the liberal ownership of uh, of uh, <clears throat> of the Golden State Warriors. They they just didn't like him personally because Mark Jackson, I think he still does it, uh, was a minister somewhere in the Los Angeles area and went down there pretty regularly. They didn't like that. They didn't like that at all that he was uh you know all wrapped up in religion take take that with a grain of salt you know no matter where you sit i just think it's a terrible reason to uh fire somebody and then i don't know i, I know that team got luke walton paid i know that and then the other thing that that um got thrown out there was he was ran off because I guess in some of his sermons, and I can't understand this being a, an issue in San Francisco, in some of his sermons, he stood up there and put his foot in his mouth, getting overly religious and to the point where he was condemning homosexual lifestyle. 
And oh, that, yeah, you, the- yeah, you can't do that. And that rubbed everyone in, in, in your team sits in San Francisco. You can't do that. And so that's what, so though I want to give him credit, I also understand why he was run off. Right. You know, I, right. The religious thing, not fair to run him off, but when you get there and put your foot in your mouth like that, that was that you, you can't do that. You can't do that anywhere, but you can't do that in San Fran either. Right. That's, I mean, Fran. that's, that's that's cancel culture one hundred and one right there. You, I mean, come on. So, and evidently he was just hard to work with too. Evidently the the front office just didn't like him as a person. That he, he was kind of arrogant and kind of an ass. Now I now that's all hearsay. So I don't know if that happened, but I do know that the other two were definitely happened. So I, I can see that. Listen, I like him. I, I love hearing him broadcast, but I can see him kind of being an ass. Yeah, uh, I like it better when he coaches, so I don't have to hear him broadcast. Um, I just think he's terrible. Uh, there goes that man. I mean, like, oh God! I mean, there's lazy, and then there's lazy. Uh, who, who, who do you got? Him or Jalen? Jalen Rose? Does Who's Rose? Worse? Does Does Rose do games? I'm, I'm just saying, as a person <laughs> to listen to. I can't stand Jalen Rose talking every time I watch a pregame. I cannot stand him or Paul Pierce actually. Uh, but they're, but they're all pregame, so they don't bother me because I don't watch a lot of their pregame. <laughs> so, Fair enough. I can't, I can't stand, uh, the others. I can't stand, um, there's very few NBA broadcasters nowadays that I even like, to be honest with you. Yeah. The, to, Tommy Hansen ain't walking that door. <laughs> no. And. Like Dick, he was great, man. I, I watched him for years. He was I, great. I used to be a big Dick Stockton fan. I think he still does local, but I haven't seen him nationally in, in much. I mean, I, I think he still shows up in the NCAA Final Four. Uh, the college basketball broadcasters to me are better. I like QB Brown. I don't know where he what his role is nowadays, but I think as he's gotten up there in age, he, you know, he's not he doesn't travel as much. But uh, I, I still think if you ever want to learn basketball, listen to what Hubie Brown has to say. Cause he, he does a lot of Memphis games, I think. What's that? I think he does a lot of Memphis games. Well, maybe well maybe that's his uh, home market. Um, he used to be the national guy for ESPN and whatnot, but I rarely ever see him anymore. Um, I liked him a lot. Um I don't like when they put the players in there. I'm telling you right now, the NBA has the worst color commentators when they put the players in there. They suck. They're dumb. They're uneducated because none of them went to college and barely went to high school. You know, Chris Weber went to high school like the way, uh, like the way I went to fat camp, right? Like he just kind of walked by it and waved, right? <laughs> so okay, uh, <laughs> so I just I can't I can't stand listening to those idiots but um anyways uh moving on from that did you see paul george uh blaming doc rivers for the loss of the series he went uh yeah yeah and i thought it was funny that he blamed him uh he wasn't utilized enough he averaged like nine points a game during the playoffs he was terrible yeah he uh someone put the stat up yesterday when they were talking about this this comment the, in the final game, he went like four for like sixteen or eighteen from the field. So yeah, and he, he was talking about how Doc Rivers didn't 
do anything to to change from game to game. In other words, there was no adjustments, right? Paul George, where the hell were your adjustments at, man? You're the one making forty yeah. million dollars a year. Why the hell everyone thinks he's elite? I do not know. He's not. The players think he's it was a joke because everybody was like, playoff Paul, playoff Paul. Like I said, I think he averaged like maybe double digits during that series. It was he's terrible. never, ever stepped up in the big moment, but they act they act like that he's this, he's this big-time player. I'm like, from when? When did he do this? Ten years ago in Indiana in a game four? Because he didn't win a right. chance. He, he didn't knock out Miami, right? I mean – he is one of the most overrated players in all of sport, and he's over here trashing Doc Rivers. I'm like, come on, dude. Get the and, hell and out. And I like Paul George, but he is, like I said, he should not be trash-talking to anybody. Like, he is not a playoff Paul. I thought I liked, liked Paul George. I don't like Paul George. Um, after seeing <laughs> what he's done, I just think he's trash. To be honest with you, um, he's overrated. He's he, he he was brought in with Kawhi Leonard like he like he was, you know, the Robin to his Batman. He's not. He's like he's a number three player at best. That's why right. he, that's why he was elevated so much when he was over there in OKC because it was it was the Russell Westbrook show, and then you had guys like. And you had Carmelo, and then you had guys like Steve Adams and whatnot that were getting the dirty work done. And one one of the better coaches in all of basketball and Billy Donovan, right? Right. He he came over. And Kawhi can't say a damn thing because he demanded to have him. He made this big deal about how he had to get him. And now, and now you got him and what you know now. Because going forward, I, th- I think they're going to be terrible. I think they're going. Is to Westbrook and Paul Wall or John Wall? Not Paul Wall. John Wall. Is that not the equivalent of the same person? Is that trade irrelevant? I don't understand the trade. To be honest with you, right? It doesn't make any sense to me. For either, either. either the only or. thing I can think of, I haven't looked at the bare bones of the contract. Is Wall a free agent after this year? I know he's. I'm not sure. I know he's on that huge contract that couple years back, but it feels right. like he's been hurt for a couple of years. So I'm not sure. I almost think that that's his. It's a huge uh, money break. Yeah, that they're just trying to get out from under it this year, and they'll bring him on. And if he comes out and plays well, they can trade him at the deadline. That's what I think it is. And then, of course, he goes to Washington. What's Washington doing? Why didn't they just do that? I mean, are they just trying to put butts in the seats during a pandemic when Washington D.C. shut down? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I mean, you know, the big, you know, Bradley Bill is almost out the door. So I mean, maybe they're just trying, trying for anything. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't understand it at all. To be perfectly honest with you, um, I'm what I, I don't understand is, and you, you, you're smarter than I am. What, what did the Celtics get for Hayward? <laughs> a tax, I, a, a read, draft exemption. A draft exemption. I still don't understand what the hell that means. I've read that article many times. I have no idea what we got. It's 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 future junk. 
I think it's like a player to be named later kind of, but in, in, but in the draft. I think it's a draft right. exemption, meaning that next year in the, in the from what I understand, that when they exercise it, the money that they spend in a draft is not cut across their cap. So nothing, essentially. <laughs> and Danny, we trust. I guess. I'm. I, I, <laughs> You got me, man. I really don't know at this point. I mean, I, I've read I've read multiple articles, and I was like, "We got what?" <laughs> right, exactly. I'm, I'm I'm so confused with that because uh, I don't get why. I don't know. I get. I guess. I I guess. I mean, essentially, they lost a free agent. Is, is essentially what happened, and so I guess this is a way from a standpoint of cooking the books to gain something out of losing a free agent. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm go. still not hundred percent positive where Gordon Hayward's playing basketball this year. Cause that's confusing as hell. He's playing with a ball brother. Well, they say Charlotte and then, then I see new, the New Orleans Pelicans. The whole damn thing's confusing as hell. So I don't I don't even know if the thing's in stone yet is 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 from what I've read because there's still rumors coming out that he could be playing with the Pelicans. Like all right, so does that mean that they signed him to trade him, or did they really sign him, or did or did he not really get signed by Charlotte? Is he going to the Pel? I don't know. The whole damn thing is confusing to me. I think you think if a small market team was going to win it, who would be the team to win it? Who has the best chance, Milwaukee? Well, yeah, because well, yeah, because they have the MVP sitting there, right? Um, years down the road, it could be New Orleans if Zion just decides that he really likes the place and he ends up being you know, living up to his expectations. Um, if you're talking about what city could I see attracting players to play They've got to have a player who just absolutely loves where he's playing and doesn't want to move. Right. And gets it, right? Here's the problem with Milwaukee. Wisconsin is a blue state, and they have pretty high taxes. So you kind of lose any kind of advantage you have. Would you, Well, my, Miami's not small market. That's the problem. Um, right. Miami has no state tax, right? Right, but right, but Miami's also Miami's one of the largest cities in in, in America, so you can't consider them small market uh, or mid market. A mid market situation in the NBA. Uh, I mean, New Orleans is is what I'm thinking. If Zion truly loves being there, and they can build something yeah. around it, and people want to go play with them, that that would be the reasoning. I think New Orleans is one of the worst decisions the NBA has had of doing a team somewhere. New Orleans is a disgusting city for a, the attract talent. And it's not that good of a television market either. Um, right. The same thing with Memphis. I think they would have been better right. off. I think they'd have been better off putting that in Nashville, man. I mean, Memphis. I'm not I trying mean, look, looking back on it hundred uh, percent, especially how big Nashville is getting now. Um, I'm not trying to and, bash Memphis, but it sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm 
I'm not trying to bash it, but I'm going to bash it. I mean, Memphis isn't a sports town. You go there for blues no. and to eat barbecue. You don't go there to watch a crappy basketball team. I remember we were we were driving to Memphis right when FedEx Forum, I guess, got there, and we were driving. And it, I don't know if you've been there before or not, but it's in the middle of nowhere. It's like all of a sudden we're, we're driving around, and all of a sudden, oh crap, there's a stadium right here. Yeah, I've driven by the you're talking about the pyramid. Not the no, not the pyramid. FedEx. Oh, the new the, one? The, no, no, I have not been. Yeah, I, I've been in the pyramid. That's that's a big Bass Pro Shop now. Right. Um, <laughs> But FedEx Forum is like in the middle of nowhere. Like you're just driving by, like, oh, there's a team here. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, if Memphis was that great, they would have put the Oilers there. That's all I got on that, right? If they, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> um, what shirt are you wearing today? Is it just a work shirt? No, it's a it's an old road shirt. It's my George W. Bush uh, on the back of it. It's when he throws out the first pitch on a uh, right after nine eleven. Oh, nice. I've yeah, got, so I, I I just can't turn around. <laughs> I've got I've got old school uh, Rockford Files investigations. I was about to say it's either Rockford Files or Rockford the Rockford Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your picks against the spread this week? I was I was with, I, I don't have my computer out with me. There was so many. I don't think there's going to be any. There's going to be one upset this week. That's my pick. Not one upset this week in the NFL. Yeah, but who's going to cover the spreads? I, I said I don't have. I said I'm obviously running late today. I don't have my stuff in front of me, and my computer is n- broke up. So uh, I don't. So you, yeah, so you, you brought nothing to the party today. All right, fair I enough. I brought nothing to the party besides. Yeah, I brought nothing to the party. <laughs> <laughs> Your shining personality. Okay, I got it. Um, hey, it's got it's got me it's got me places. All right, well then we'll just punt this till tomorrow. Then that's uh, that's fine. What's your stupid stock tip of the week? Sundial. You're on that one now, huh? Yeah, uh, they voted last night on if you watched any of uh, C-SPAN last night because I know you did. Yes, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but they had a big vote last night to decriminalize marijuana, and uh, it got voted it got passed through. So I want to I'm going to ride that for a minute. What are they uh, selling at? It was I, I bought it in at like seventy seven. I have no idea right now, but I bought a pretty good amount of shares at seventy seven cents. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they're at right now. Probably one uh, of the ones I'll, I'll throw one out at you that it took a dip. I like to find the ones that took a dip. And you know he's going to come back up. So Nikola, which is one of the uh, okay. smart cars, it has dropped all the way down to eighteen dollars a share. It was up around forty few, uh, about a week or so ago. It took a dip because they did not the the partnership that they were going to have with with General Motors fell through. But as always, it's always an overreaction, right? It's always an overreaction by by the market. And it dipped all the way down to seventeen dollars a share. It's back up to eighteen. Um, the one thing I'll say to, to investors: be pay attention to what's going on today because that news that came out about Pfizer right before the bell ended yesterday could put people into panic mode. It doesn't look like they are because we're starting the uh, when the bell opened. We're 
it's up about 120 points. So we're talking about you know 0.5 percent. Um, but sometimes there's a sell-off on 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 Fridays, and especially right. I don't know if you saw the the news on on Pfizer, but about half of their expected number of uh, of, of vaccines that they were going to have out in the early process. The number that they have is, has been cut in half because they're not being able to get the materials. So that could have an effect. People freaking out. And then once again, I mean, man, I keep saying it, dude, but Dan, check out them cryptos, man. If you pay attention to the cryptos, um, I've made a few hundred dollars off of that over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, it got away. It got all the way up to ETH. Got all the way up to six twenty again yesterday. I sold it. I bought back in this morning at a uh, five eighty nine. So it'll and it'll it'll get back. There's gonna come a time where I'm gonna miss the rocket. It's gonna take off, and I'm just gonna have to say screw it. I'm another done. another one. I've I've been fine. I don't know what they do, but I just follow the name uh, plug. I don't know if you ever do any research on that. What's that? Plug P L U G. Okay, what what do they do? Exactly. I'm saying I don't know. I just follow their numbers. I've not followed anything to do. I've just followed numbers for like the last six months, and they've just been going up and down. I mean, it's just a roller coaster, obviously, like stock market is. But plug power. I wonder if that's about like blanket. It says it focuses on design, development, commercializations, manufacturers of hydrogen fuel. Okay, so it's a it's a fuel cell system. It's it's a uh, basically an and an alternative to, to what the cars are right now. Um, those tend to, um, I don't know. I get a little gun shy with those, but um. yeah, it's the same as the weed stocks, man. It's just like, you just take a shot. That's what I'm doing right now is Sundial. Cause, cause most of those end up, you know, really, really, uh, sketch as far as being able to predict them. Like that's always my problem. What's your walk off for the day, sir? Uh, sorry, I'm late, man. I just had some stuff going on this morning, but uh, looking forward to. Uh, in theory, Florida should win heavily this week tomorrow, but Tennessee always scares me. Uh, they're young, and they're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that game. I, I love. It's usually a third week in September, but I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, that should be well. We'll, we'll talk about more tomorrow. I, I'll uh, I'll share my thoughts on that, uh, but. Um, the, two of those games are kind of anticlimactic because normally right. you 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 want to get jazzed up for Tennessee Florida. Normally you want to get jazzed up for beat for a uh, Bama LSU. And I'm yes, gonna be honest with you, I'm more excited about BYU Coastal Carolina showdown than I am in anything in the SEC. <laughs> right. And that's 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 weird. All right, brother, we'll did see. You, uh, I'll go, uh, go did ahead. you hear what Herb Street said about uh, the Michigan game? Oh, about uh, the, the Michigan might tank and whatnot, and then he had to go back and walk it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, him and uh, Reese Davis stepped in their mess kit. Man, they both stood up there and insinuated that, you know, that the teams were intentionally not playing games to, to mess with other teams. You know, you can read between the lines. I think they were trying to take a shot at Florida State and a couple other schools, and I was like – right. Dude, you're on national television, man. It's one thing for us to, to to talk like a maniac on sports talk radio. It's another thing when Disney owns your ass and and you're, and you're just you know talking crazy because it takes one alum 
that is good friends with someone high up at Disney from one of those schools that you're bashing, you'll be done yeah. ski. You, you, you'll be done ski. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, brother. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Eastern, uh, Dixie Football Nation. All right, man. Have a good day. Yes, sir. We're going to go ahead and uh, skip the last break and uh, go into uh, the weekend watch because uh, we're going to try to get out of here at normal time. So uh, let's go ahead and hit that weekend watch as what's going to be happening in the world of football, essentially just football. I don't really care about what's going on basketball this weekend. So this is the weekend watch. Uh, Tonight, we do have one college football game that is actually, it's not a bad one. Number 25, Louisiana Lafayette, Appalachian State. We all know Appalachian State is always pretty darn good. Uh, that game starts at 8.30 on ESPN. I'm not 100% sure uh, why that game is being played so late, but 8.30 Eastern on ESPN. Uh, definitely the best thing to watch tonight. Then tomorrow... There's one noon kickoff that I'm invested in tomorrow. It's Texas A&M Auburn. I think that's going to be a good game. Auburn's got a chance to put a scare in. Look, I'm just still not convinced of A&M. Kellen Mond is he going to? If he's going to, is he going to do Kellen Mond things and screw everything up, or is he going to go out there and play a big game on on, on the road? So I'm I'm looking at Kellen Mond, uh, a showdown between him and Knicks. It could be pretty interesting. Knicks tends to play better at home. We'll definitely get into that tomorrow on Dixon Football Nation. 3.30, there's two decent ball games on. Neither one of them are close spreads, so everyone's expecting them to be blowouts, but you never know in college football. Tennessee, Florida, that's at 3.30 on CBS. And then Indiana, Wisconsin, I don't have it in front of me. That's either going to be on your ESPN ABC family or, or uh, Fox, FS1 type deal. But uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, that intrigues the hell out of me. Uh, by tomorrow, I'll... I'll get more on, on the Indiana injury report to see if anything's changed on that front. Um, 5.30 tomorrow. I've been talking about this a lot. Looking forward to this big time. BYU and Coastal Carolina. It's put up or shut up time for BYU and for Coastal Carolina. That, but Coastal Carolina has always been kind of looked upon as a... Uh, not a real contender. More people are up in arms at BYU's not ranked up higher than Coastal Carolina. So BYU's got to play, got to go out there and prove it on the field. Realize the hurdles of having to play a brand new opponent 48 hours after you find out, and you're going to be traveling. You got to put the travel in there. This is a game where a lot of these BYU players thought they'd be at home. I'm sure they're excited, but man, you talk about a cram session. I think BYU offensively, offensively is just going to try to go out there and play BYU football, make them adjust to them, and then defensively they'll probably go pretty vanilla. So we'll so we'll see what happens if Coastal Carolina can. Uh, I think the key to this game is going to be that first quarter. If BYU can get some stops in that first quarter, they're, they're going to be fine. But that should be a really interesting ball game. You hit halftime 
if BYU defense is not up to speed, because I mean they're playing someone who is not. Well, yet you, you have I say forty eight hours, but you don't really have forty eight hours to to uh, get that going. It's really more about twenty four thirty six hours. It, essentially, it's 24 hours because you're going to have to jump on a plane sometime. I would say it'll be early Saturday morning. And so, anyways, I'm looking forward to it at 5.30 Eastern. I believe it's still going to be on ESPNU. I don't think they've changed that. So, ESPNU, BYU, Coastal Carolina. 7.30 tomorrow night, Clemson, Virginia Tech. Clemson's last regular season game. They're a 22-point favorite. You think they were, they're going to win? I think they're going to dust them. I know that Virginia Tech has some can have some good teams. This is not one of Virginia Tech's good teams. Their quarterback is terrible. He is. It's like what it was. It was like watching the Denver game. I've seen three Virginia Tech games this year, and their quarterback's about as good as the Denver quarterback was last Sunday. He's a wide receiver playing quarterback. He's a great athlete, but if you shut that down, which we know Clemson's got the athletes to do that, they should be able to, to name their score. And Clemson, you know a team who wants to put style points up. They won't put style points up. Then 8 o'clock tomorrow night, Bam LSU, 30-point favorite, the Tide are. Don't expect it to be a close game, but hell, they're in Death Valley. It's a Saturday night. Crazier things have happened. And I think the crazy thing would be for LSU to cover the spread. If LSU were to make that even a game going to the fourth quarter, that would be big news. I don't think LSU's got the firepower to hang with Alabama. But one can dream, right? One o'clock on Sunday, we go Cleveland, Tennessee. That's the game at the one o'clock slot. Another game of interest. Saints Atlanta. We would have had Bengals Dolphins Tua versus Joe Burrow, but now Joe Burrow's injured and Tua's sitting on the pine. So that game lost a lot of a lot of luster. But uh, so so you got two big games, Cleveland Tennessee, and then I want to see Saints Atlanta rematch. I think Atlanta's going to have something for the Saints. The Saints have to continue to get W's because they're trying to get home field advantage. They don't want to go to Green Bay in January. Are you nuts? You're talking about a team that's much better at home in that dome. We get some of these vaccines kicking by mid-January. They might have to have, they might have a decent amount of people in the stadium. And when you hit late January for an NFC championship game, that dome could be rock and rolling. Four o'clock, a couple of games I've got circled. Rams, Cardinals. Both those teams fighting for a wild card at this point. And the Giants are at the Seahawks. Most likely without Daniel Jones. Can they keep it close? I think the last thing I saw in there was like a 14-point spread. Can the Giants keep it close? And then Sunday night's game is lackluster. Broncos, Kansas City. It's a perfect time to uh, 
impress your wife and sit down and watch a movie with her, right? <laughs> that game's gonna suck, man. I'm sorry. Broncos to Kansas City. I could just, I could care. Either Broncos are pulling upset. I don't care. Broncos have no shot of making the playoffs. They, this game should have been flexed. I do not understand why they did, they did not flex either the Tennessee Cleveland game or the Rams Cardinals game. They always brag about the flex. Flexing's even easier now without having full sta uh, full fans in the stands. I don't know why they're not flexing, but they're not flexing it. And then, of course, remember, Saturday morning we're here for the uh, Dixie Football Nation, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then Sunday we're back as well, 11 a.m. to noon. All these are Eastern times. We'll be doing the uh, Fantasy Football Startup Sit'em. Uh, DFS Pick'em Show. That'll be with Sean O'Toole and Stephen Troche. The Dixie Football Nation tomorrow is Tony Agolini, Matt Carr, myself, and I believe Angelo will be with us. Never 100% sure. He, he's got a pretty crazy schedule on Saturday mornings. Angelo is a school teacher, and he also helps out uh, coaching a the uh, girls' soccer team. So he'll, he'll try to step in. He's, he's probably a little little less likely to show up to be honest with you now that Florida State's not playing um, but anyways hopefully he'll stop by and we'll get you caught up with what's going on with the uh, I took the lead in the in the uh, uh, stupid underdog picks I was excited about that um, got the Rutgers W so we'll see how that works now, now I have to sit back and wait for everyone else to pick and that's the disadvantage Right in a perfect world, you, you want to take the lead at the very last week of the season because now I've got to take the disadvantage. Now there's a little more strategy. Now I don't have to go for the big wins anymore. So, anyways, we will see you. Uh, well, hell, I forgot to turn back time. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, let's go ahead and turn back time and uh, get the hell out of here. If I could find a way, I'd take back those words that I hurt you, and you'd stay. So I find this funny just because we're here at the pandemic now. The smallest New York Knicks crowd at Madison Square Garden ever, 1,300 people because of a snowstorm. I bet they beat that this year. I bet they beat the hell out of that. I can't imagine New York's going to allow fans in the stands. They didn't allow it in baseball. They're not allowing it in football. I can't imagine the New York Knicks are going to start the season off with a home game to begin the season and end up uh, beating a 1,300. So uh, I just found that funny. Um and on this date, 1964, Major League Baseball finally approves a free agent draft. That was the beginning of the Major League Baseball draft. For that, you just went out and you, it was kind of like a recruiting process. It's why the Yankees were always so good. You just went out and you found the best players. Your scouts went out around and scouted. They say, hey, let's give an offer to this guy. The Yankees were making the most money and they would throw money at guys that they would see out there playing, you know, minor semi-pro baseball out in Oklahoma and say, hey, this guy Mickey Mantle's pretty good. Let's give him some money. And I, I saw this on a documentary once. 
So the the uh, the mayor of New York, Mario Cuomo, who's obviously the father of Andrew Cuomo, the the current governor of New York, who's not very popular at this point, but his dad was pretty popular mayor of New York City, and it's it's how he ended up getting elected, but <clears throat> how his son ended up getting elected, but pretty interesting story. He took his signing bonus that the, I believe it was the Yankees gave him to come play baseball. He, his signing bonus was actually more than Mickey Mantle's. Now, obviously the rest is history. Mickey Mantle went on to be a hall of fame baseball player. Cuomo ended up uh, fizzling out and going into politics, but he said what he did gain out of that money is that the, that's the money he used to buy a wedding ring for his wife that he was married to for years. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. It's also interesting that Mario Cuomo was signed for more money than Mickey Mantle. I mean, you think about that. Boy, did they have egg on their face, Who, whoever the scout was for the Yankees at that point. Birthdays. It's your birthday today. What does that mean? I guess I'll. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people remember her or not, but Anke Huber, a German tennis player, she is 46 years old today. She won the FedEx uh, Cup in uh, 92. She was short-lived. Like she, she came out on the scene, and then she just fizzled out at 46 years old today. Uh, happy birthday to her. And we'll grab another one that's kind of off the beaten path, so to speak. Uh, remember Corliss Williamson? A lot of people had a lot of nicknames for him, like Baby Shaq and whatnot. It seemed like everyone was Baby Shaq in the mid-90s. Corliss Williamson played for the Arkansas Razorbacks, won the national championship for them. He ended up playing for the Pistons. That was the big thing I remember him for. Um, outside of Arkansas, he was playing for the Pistons. And uh, he was the NBA Sixth Man of the Year in 2002. And he won the uh, NBA championship. He, he was not that great of a contributor by the time they won it. It was 0304. But uh, Corliss Williamson, man, 40 minutes of hell. That was a great, great basketball program that Nolan Richardson had put together there. So we say happy birthday to them. And uh, we'll throw one more out. Uh, Indianapolis Colts head coach, Frank Reich. He is 59 years old from Freeport, New York. We will see you manana for Dixie Football Nation. For Matt Carr, Tony Agolini, Justin Waller, I'm Mac McGee. We'll see you manana. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you tomorrow. It's Friday, Working Stiffs. Everybody, four, three, two, one. Happy weekend! <laughs> Save it, but it's burning a hole. It's Friday, Friday, I'm free again. I got my motor running for a wild weekend. It's Friday, Friday, I'm out of control. Forget the work and blues and let the good times roll. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. 
Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks for listening to Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. Armchair Quarterback Radio comes your way every day. Find Armchair Quarterbacks Radio on Facebook today. And don't forget to tap that app. The Armchair Quarterbacks app is free to download, and you can take us anywhere you go. You can hear the whole show every day on Armchair Quarterbacks app. Can I get another cigarette, please? Can I get another cigarette, please? Yeah, I know I live to regret it. Just give me another cigarette, please. If you haven't downloaded it yet, your Armchair Quarterbacks app is the best app you can tap today. Google Android, Apple iPhone. That's right, download it, tap that app today. You can take the Armchair Quarterbacks app anywhere. Free to download, free to use, and important to have. Download it today. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. The best in Southeast sports talk. Listen live or catch the replay. I kind of like that.